0: Hi, this is Pastor David Cooper. Thank you for joining my podcast. I pray that the Word of God will be a blessing to you. I also want to ask you to share the podcast with others. Together, we can make an impact in people's lives as we introduce them to the Word of God. Thank you for your partnership and ministry of the Mount Perrin family and our outreach. I pray that the Word of God will be a blessing to you today. As we look at the book of Revelation, it speaks profoundly to world events. It helps us understand what is going on in history, sometimes behind the scenes, how spiritual forces affect world events. We all ask ourselves, what is going on in the world? How does the Bible shed light on current world events and the role of the church in the world? The book of Revelation gives us clear insights and, and understanding of the movement of history, in our ministry, to give the world hope in Christ. The book of Revelation is a book of visions, symbols, or word pictures. And they give us a sense of understanding. They give us a sense of emotion. The book of Revelation is a very picturesque book. It's kind of like reading a novel, as a novelist has the power to use words to create images in our minds and feelings. A novel is very different than a textbook. It's just kind of static information. But a novel awakens our imagination. It awakens our emotion. And the book of Revelation is written with these images and pictures to give us a certain feeling, to take us up and down. Sometimes we get anxious with what we read. We get hopeful. It's an experience. It's almost like watching a movie set to words. And that's why the symbols are so important. And the symbols are rooted in the Old Testament the Pentateuch of Moses sets forth many of the symbols like the numbers 7 and 10 and 12. We see in the apocalyptic books of the Old Testament, especially in Ezekiel, Daniel, parts of Isaiah, Zechariah, this very picturesque image. Jesus used some of the same imagery. In Matthew 24 and Mark 13, when he gives the prophetic signs of the times, and the John the Revelator uses the same numerology and the same images. They all share this body of numerology and images and symbols together. But one of the most important parts of the book is the opening of the seven seal scroll. Many people have heard about the seven seal scroll. Movies even be made about the seals and what they mean. In the book of Revelation, after John sees a vision of Jesus, he's immediately caught up to heaven in chapter 4 and chapter 5. He said, there's a door sent and opened to heaven and a voice. The voice of God said, come up here and I'll show you things to come. And John now, from the perspective of heaven, begins to see what's going on in the world. He sees how history is about to unfold for the church age. At the end of that, he sees Jesus appear as the Lamb of God. He's also called there the line of the tribe of Judah. And praise breaks out to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be glory and power forever and ever. The worshipers around the throne of God, the angels and the people of God sing a new song. You are worthy, O Lord, to take the book and to open the seals because you were slain and with your blood you redeemed us out of every people and tribe and language and nation. And so Jesus, in this vision, takes the scroll from the hand of God. He breaks the seals. So it's like a, an ancient document where they would write on a scroll and then they would roll it and they sealed it. They'd seal that section and write another section. It had seven seals. He breaks each seal. A seal was usually given by someone with great power, great authority. An official had a, an actual royal seal stamped in that wax that secured it. And no one could open the scroll. The angels couldn't open it. The people of God in heaven, only the lamb had the authority. What that means is that Jesus is the only person who can reveal history. And so he opens these seven seals and he shows us what's going to happen in the world. And all this started in the early church. It applied to them. It applies in every era of the church history. It explains to us what's going on in the world From a spiritual perspective, as well as a political perspective and an ecological perspective, we see God at work in history and God in control of history. So he breaks the seven seal scroll and these seven seals explain history to us. And this part of the book of Revelation is chapter 6, verse 1 through chapter 8, verse 1. We see that the whole explanation of the seven seal scroll and explains what goes on in history. And the first of the four seals are these four horsemen of the apocalypse. So the first seal is broken. He sees a white horse. Now, later we'll see the white horse of Revelation 19. That's Jesus returning. But here the white horse is the Antichrist, an imitation of Christ. Not just the Antichrist to come in the future, but in 1 John chapter 4, verse 3, in chapter 2, verse 18, we read the terms, the Antichrist is coming. We read, many Antichrists have already come, many of these political dictators and false religious leaders, and the spirit of Antichrist is already at work in the world. So even though the Antichrist is coming in the future, the spirit of Antichrist is in the world today, and there are many Antichrists in the world in political power. We see the tyranny of these people, and that explains what's going to happen in history. The second seal is broken, and there's a red horse. The red horse is war. Martyrdom against God's people, civil strife, violence. In fact, the Bible says here that peace was taken from the earth. Look at our world today. Look at our nation and many nations around the world. Look at the riots in the street, the looting, the violence, the crime. And no matter how many peace treaties governments seem to negotiate, they all fail. New wars have started in the world today. It's as though we as humans do not have the capacity to live in peace. We don't because of sin in the world, because of greed in the world, because of hatred in the world. That's why Jesus came to save us from those things, that we might live in a kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. But this world around us is a world of sin and suffering, and it affects everyone. And the Red Horse Rider is here today, trampling across the face of the earth, taking peace from the world. Then he sees third of all, the third seal is broken, and there's a black horse. And he represents famine, economic pressure that puts people at levels of poverty. We understand that half the world today is starving, or they're in a state of malnutrition with all the abundance some people have, because the black horse tramples across the world today. And fourth seal is broken, there's a pale horse. Death and hell, and the word hell there means the grave or Hades. Death comes upon the world. We live in a world of suffering. Ever since Adam and Eve sinned, God said, in the day you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will die. Death will enter the world. And we live in a world where there's death. The fifth seal is broken and he sees the souls of the martyrs under the altar of God and they're crying out for justice. How long, O Lord, until you avenge our blood? And we see that during the church age, some people, tragically as it is, will give their lives for Christ. Martyrdom is taking place in the world today. Others are put in political prisons for the name of Christ and preaching the gospel of Christ. And so the church age is going to be marked by intense suffering in some parts of the world, even to the place that some... Are martyrs for Christ. And the word martyr in the Greek language of the New Testament is the word witness. In fact, when Jesus said in Acts 1, verse 8, You shall receive power and the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, that's the Greek word martus, the word martyr. And some people's witness has been even to give their life for the cause of Christ. The sixth seal is broken, and there's judgment on the elements of the earth. There's ecological disturbance. We see signs in the sun and the moon and the stars. Stars fall from the sky and the imagery. The moon turns to blood. The sun becomes black like sackcloth. There are great earthquakes and famines and pestilences. Even today, we see in our world ecological changes, and that's one of the common themes of many of the end-time prophecies is disruption of the planet. And we're seeing that Today, in our world, as we see the world in the pains of childbirth, Paul describes in Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 23, that the the earth is in pains of childbirth, longing to be delivered from its bondage to decay, to be brought into the glorious freedom of God's redemptive plan. And the seventh seal is fascinating. The seventh seal is opened, and then there is silence in heaven. And everything stops. And that represents a season of grace and mercy of God. God is waiting for mankind to come to him, to repent of sins, to receive his forgiveness and grace. 2 Peter 3 verse 9 says, God is not willing for any to perish, but for everyone to come to repentance. And there Peter says, God is patient with you. I've heard people say, why doesn't Jesus come now? Because God is patient with us. He's not wanting anyone to perish in the seventh seal. Silence in heaven shows us that God is the God of grace, always longing for humanity to come back to him. Well, the second aspect that we see of human history, and explains the ministry of the church in the world, is that there are five enemies that it identifies that will persecute the church and try to stop the preaching of the gospel throughout history. They appeared in the first century. They've appeared throughout history. And they're going to appear in the last days in an intense form. They're five enemies. There's the beast out of the sea, Revelation 13, verse 1. That represents the Antichrist, but the Antichrist is not here, but the spirit of Antichrist is here. Second of all, there's a beast out of the earth, Revelation 13. That's a false prophet. It calls him the false prophet. He works for the Antichrist to get people to follow the Antichrist. Well, he's not here yet in a literal way, but the spirit of false prophecy Jesus warned us over and over about false Christs and false prophets that would appear in the last days and deceive many people, Matthew 24, verse 3 and 4. So there's false prophecy, even though there's a false prophet coming. Third of all, there's mystery Babylon. You read about it in Revelation 14 and Revelation 17. This empire, this kingdom of the Antichrist, this global commercial power that controls economics. You see, fourth of all, the mark of the beast. Revelation 13, where the false prophet, to promote the Antichrist agenda, issues a mark of the beast, the number 666, the number of man. It says, without the mark on people's forehead or forehead, they cannot buy or sell. Economic persecution, well, that's coming in the last days, but even since the first century, there's economic persecution, governments that oppress the people of God and don't allow people... to to conduct business. That goes on in the world today. And the mark of the beast is more than economics, though. It says it is an identification. It's given to those who pledge allegiance to the beast or the Antichrist. So it's more than economics. And many people think of, because we use credit and so forth, it's more than that. The people that have the mark of the beast are people that pledge loyalty to the Antichrist. And they're contrasted with the church in the book of Revelation. Revelation 7, it says, we have the seal of God in our foreheads. In other words, we've identified with Jesus. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14 says, when you believed in Christ, you were marked in him with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit, who's a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. So we've placed our allegiance to Jesus. We have a spiritual seal on our forehead or our forehead that says, we follow Jesus. So the mark of the beast is more than economics. It is a pledge of loyalty people make to the Antichrist. But economic persecution has been used for 2,000 years at times to silence the gospel, to oppress the church. You may not know this or not, but there have been many times in the United States Congress where people have proposed legislation to take the tax-exempt status away from churches and houses of worship to persecute religion. There are those who would use economic persecution to silence the gospel, to control. My point is that these enemies have appeared in the past. They're here now in spiritual forms, and they're going to take a literal form in the last days. And the fifth enemy we face, which is really the actor behind the scenes, is the dragon. Revelation 12, John sees a great red dragon appear, enormous dragon. And then he calls him the ancient serpent, Satan, who's also called the devil. That's in Revelation chapter 12, verse seven through 10. War in heaven, Satan is cast to the earth. He's full of rage in this vision. And he calls him the great red dragon. And he identifies him as the ancient serpent that appeared in Eden. He calls him by Satan, Satan the adversary of God's people, the devil, the the slanderer, the one who accuses us. So he's the power behind the scene. In fact, Revelation 13 tells us that Satan gives his power, the dragon, his power to the Antichrist. He's, He's inspiring. There are demonically inspired leaders that have appeared in history, and the Antichrist is coming in the last days. The point of all that to say is that you and I, as Christians, are witnessing for Jesus the church is going forward to help the world, to preach the gospel, to help the poor, to teach people how to live in the kingdom life. And yet in the midst of our ministry of the world, we're living in a spiritually hostile world. And the point of the book of Revelation is don't be discouraged, even though you face pressure and persecution, keep preaching the gospel, keep sharing the love of God, because the book of Revelation tells us third of all and finally, the church is going to be victorious. These enemies will never defeat the church. And that's why we begin the revelation with a vision of Jesus standing in the midst of his lampstands, seven lampstands representing the entire church, seven complete church lampstands that represents the church's place in the world as a lampstand of Christ to give the light of Jesus, an unconquerable light. The light of Christ, the light of the gospel can never be extinguished. When John the Apostle introduced Jesus in his gospel, he said of him in John 1 verse 5, the light, Jesus, shined in the darkness, and the darkness could not conquer it. And Jesus places you and your family as a lampstand. And he places you in your workplace as a lampstand to shine. And he places us as a church as a lampstand in the city of Atlanta. And through media, a lampstand of the world to preach the good news of salvation in Jesus. Christ came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. You can have that life, and you are a witness of that light of Christ where you live. Join me for prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. And in this world where there are so many spiritual forces that are at work, and even persecution at times against the gospel, give us the grace to stand firm, to patiently endure for your return, and to be faithful to what you've called us to be and to do. May the light of our lives shine brightly in our families and to our friends and where we work and where we live. And through this great ministry, may the light of Christ shine through us to give the world hope in Jesus. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Thank you for sharing this time with me as we share the Word of God together. Do me a favor today. I want you to go and follow me on social media. Sign up. And also make sure you subscribe to the podcast and get as many people as you can to subscribe to the podcast. Just 15 minutes of this Bible Center that can change a person's life as we share God's Word together. Make sure you download the Mount Parent app if you don't have it already so that you and I can stay connected and you can be a part of the ministry of the church even through all the resources provided on the Mount Parent app. Sunday's coming. It's going to be a great day of worship. We've got a fantastic day planned. Looking forward to seeing you and your family in the house of God. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you for joining me today as we've shared together the Word of God. Let me ask you to download the Mount Perrin Church app today so that we can stay connected and you can see all the great services and resources available for you and your family. Follow me on social media and also the Mount Perrin Church family. I look forward to seeing you in church to worship on campus and online. God bless you. Have an incredible day.